liking it. Uh, what we are doing is, is this is the last in our series on Is Your Life Interesting? Now, what we've been doing in this series is, is we've been saying, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about that one. All right. We've been going after, is your life interesting? And by that, what we've been doing is, we've just been having these really interesting interviews and so on. And we're, we're to the last one now. And I'm kind of sad to see it go because I love what's happening here. I've been, we've been getting such positive feedback. Let me say, here's the idea that we're going after. There is a life that God has for you, which is everything that you ever hoped it would be, which is everything the scripture promises it will be, which is everything the scripture reveals that it will be by the examples in it, and which is everything that history has shown us over and over again is in fact real. What happens is, is that we get in this little bubble over here of what life is. It's this sort of limited, delimited, uh, it's, this, it's this thing, and, and what we think is something like this. If I really follow God and I'm really good, and I do all this kind of stuff, then I will live life in the higher regions of that bubble. And if I do badly and I sin and I do mess up or I don't follow God or whatever, then I'll live in the lower regions of that bubble. What I really think God is trying to do in this series is he's trying to pop that bubble. He's trying to say, this is not, I'm not trying to make your life a better version of what it is today. I'm trying to make it an entirely different version, an entirely different thing, the thing that I have revealed in Scripture, this other thing entirely. Now, when, he, when I say that, I really want to make it clear. I never, ever have any sense of there being any condemnation by God in it. If, if there's anything, I think he, he knows that we're all just so deceived. And, I, and that may sound like a negative, but it doesn't feel like that in my heart when I say it in this example. It's just that we, we just, you know, we just don't understand how much more there really is to life. So we don't even try and go there. It's not that we're disobeying him particularly. It's just that we don't even know that that's possible, so we're not even shooting for it. And so what we've been doing in this whole series is, is trying to get us to think about what's the next step that will get us one step further into starting to experience these things of God. Now, interestingly, in this last sermon of the series, we're going to actually start where God starts. And that is in a very practical, real-world place. Finances. Money. Let me make it clear right now. This sermon is all about money. This sermon is not at all about money. What this sermon is about is, is that God has taken finances. You know the idea that I have a certain amount of income coming in? And I have a certain amount of expenses going out. And sometimes the expenses are bigger than the income. And sometimes the income is bigger. And that, and that this is where we live. Now let me say something very, very clearly. Because this is really important. If you don't pay attention to your budget. If you if you're presume on God that his provision is going to be whatever you want to do. And all that kind of stuff. That's just foolishness. That will, that will beat you to a pulp. And we have Dave Ramsey courses going on right now. That will help you get out of holes that people get into just because of the ways that we make decisions and so on. You have to understand what a budget is all about. It, there is this reality that lives right there. The point that God is trying to make is, that's not the only thing that exists. There is a whole nother area. There's a whole nother way of looking at it. And what he says, and it's not a different, it isn't to violate the principles of this, it's to transcend them. In the Old Testament and the New, God is always going after this. Think about what he's doing. He's saying, I understand that money is a big deal to you. It isn't to God. He doesn't need your money. 
he's saying, I understand that it's a big deal to you. I understand that this is where the rubber meets the road. I understand that this is a very concrete thing for you. So in that very concrete thing, I want to show you transcendence. So all throughout Scripture, he says things like this. This is the most pronounced place. This is, this is the people of Israel. Will, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. This is God saying this. You ask, how do we rob you? By not making the payments of the tenth, which is the tithe. Tithe simply means tenth. By not making the payments of the tenth and the contributions. This is tithe and offerings. This is what we talk about all the time. Tithe is 10%. It goes into his storehouse. It is so that God can collectively do something that can never happen individually. No matter how much money you put into it. It is a group of people where 1 plus 1 equals 10. This is the economy that he's trying to get out of the tithe. This is him showing, revealing himself by a group of people that are doing that. Then there's offerings, which go to missions, which go to lots of places we're going to talk about today, that go to all kinds of things that are blessing people on a very personal, individual level. So there's the corporate tithe, and there's the individual offerings that are up to you as to where you, what you do with them. And what he says is, is look, you are suffering under a curse. Can I just make it really clear? Here's what suffering under a curse means. Your income is less than your expenses. <laughs> okay? That isn't the provision that God intended. And so the bottom line is he's saying you're suffering under a curse. You don't even know it. <laughs> the whole nation, you're robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so there may be food in my house so the fullness of it is there. And then he says this extraordinary statement, right? Test me in this. Nowhere else in Scripture does he ever say anything like that. In fact, what he says everywhere else in Scripture is, don't test me. <laughs> right? Trust me. But in this concrete thing that he's trying to reveal transcendence, he says, test. I'm trying to get this across to you. And by the way, watch this. Here's what he's saying, test with. See, we say, I, God, if God told me to do something, I would do anything that he told me to do. 100%. Now, that's not really true, right? I mean, a lot of us would say, not really. You know, if he told me to go to Africa, I wouldn't do that. So 98% or 95 or whatever. But the point is, here's what God's actually doing in this one. He's saying, I want to see if you'll just be responsible with 10%. Not the 100%. I want to show you what happens when you're just responsible here. In fact, he goes on and he says it this way. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. See if I won't increase what comes to you. And then he says, I will also rebuke the devourer. So one is income, I'll increase. And the other one is I'll decrease expenses. What's devouring you? The expenses, right? So he says, this is what I'm going to do. Then all the nations will consider you fortunate. You'll be a delightful land. You'll be living in God's kingdom. You'll be living according to God's principles as opposed to the ones that are beating people to a crud over here. Now, now, just to take this just one more step deeply, so you'll see this is New Testament too. In one place, there's many we could go to, but God starts talking about talents. He gives five to one, and he gives or, uh, two to another, and one to another. Okay, and in another place, it has them different. But bottom line, he says, I'm giving you these talents, and then they go out, and the one with five goes out and invests it and makes more. The one with two goes out and invests it. The one with one, sorry about that. They are afraid of this mean, harsh God, and so they bury it. But now watch this. I'm not looking at the whole parable. We're looking at this statement. What Jesus says, the master says to the person that has gone out and been faithful with it, he says, the master said, well done, good and faithful slave. 
you were faithful over a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Here's what it doesn't say. Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful over a few dollars. I'm going to give you many dollars. It's not what it says. You were faithful over what I gave you, which in this case happened to be money. And if you're faithful in that, I'll give you all kinds of stuff. Now, if you don't believe that that's the right interpretation, in another place Jesus says it plainly. Whoever is faithful in very little, see the very little concept again, is also faithful in much. Whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with unrighteous money, who's going to trust you with what's genuine? I, I, I should have used ESV here. In fact, I changed it out and we didn't apparently get that version. But ESV says, if you're, if you're not faithful with money, who's going to give you true riches? Who's going to give you the real stuff? You know what turns out to be? It, this is the gateway drug. <laughs> money is the gateway drug. Now, I know that that's a negative connotation, but understand it. Money is the thing that actually turns out to be easy. But when you're on the other side of tithing, it is not easy. <laughs> it is hard, and it seems impossible, and you add it up, and nothing makes sense. But the truth of the matter is, is when you enter into God's way, when you get to where we're going to today, which is, like I said, not at all actually about money, when you start getting to the fullness of a life being given over to Christ, in fullness, you look back at the decision about tithing, and you go, well, that was, just, that was the stupidest, easiest, dumbest. Why did it take me so long? And that's just, that's just obvious. This isn't even a question anymore. Now he's challenging me. Now he's growing me. Now he's giving me opportunities in all these other ways. It turns out to be he's giving us a really easy test. He says test him, and in a way he's testing us with love. And he's saying just try it, just trust. Now we're going to hear stories today starting with tithing so that we can build faith, hopefully. We can build trust. But then we're going to move it into how much more this actually moves into with our interviews. Let me just do one last slide, and that is this. Because there's somebody that's actually going to be Skyping in, I'll introduce you to him in a second. But I want you to see something. Text the questions to 25827. This, by the way, is on the back of your bulletin, too. And you can take your little phone and just tag the QR, and it'll set it all up, and then you just type in your question, okay? But you just type any questions at 25827, enter LSF, and then your question, or you can just QR it. And we were, we were getting questions last week, but we were, they were being sent to LSK. We had a mistake on the board. So send them in. We'll get to them, hopefully. But again, this is where we're headed. So I've asked Brad Barrows to pray for us. So Brad, would you stand up and, and uh, pray for the sermon? Lift up another church. Thank you. Lord, um, we just come before you this morning, and we're so thankful for the new life we have in you, and, and we do understand that we don't even, even know how to walk in it. So, Lord, I just pray that you would help uh, to transform our minds this morning, uh, to help us learn what it is to walk in your kingdom and, and be in this world but not of this world, and, Lord, uh, to just really pursue you. Um, I pray that you would help us fan the flame of uh, your spirit in our hearts, Lord God, that we would... Uh, we would really hunger for you, Lord, and that we would uh, we would really press into you in all the things that you have for our lives, Lord God. Lord, I lift up uh, Northware, uh, Northwest Foursquare down in Federal Way. 
And uh, Lord, just thank you for uh, for the mighty work that they're doing uh, in your name down there too. And pray that uh, many would come to know you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Awesome. Go ahead and have a seat, guys. All right. So what we've been doing is interviews, and we've been bringing in other people, but we're going with homegrown talent this time, okay? And because there's some great stories here and everything else, and we've got Zach, and I'm going to be introducing, okay? So this is Jeff Kenzel. He's been on the council for years. He's been a part of Lake Sam forever. Uh, yeah, a phenomenal guy. And the sad... The, the bittersweet part of this right now is, is that they have actually moved. So they moved over the mountains, and he started an athletic club over there and everything else. And, and, and Jeff is, you're going to hear why, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know how I could ever love a guy more. Uh, it's just, this is a phenomenal man of God, has been for a long time. This is a tremendous loss to us and a tremendous blessing to wherever he plugs into over there. And you, you'll, hear, you'll hear it in just a second. John Batman, most of you already know because he's preached here. The rock solid guy. Yeah. Just, just an awesome man. And he's actually been brought in to bring up a very real aspect of what we're talking about here so that we can really three-dimensionalize everything we're talking about and not just, not just paint in rosy colors, paint in the real colors of the world. And I'm really excited about what he has to bring on this. And then in Hawaii, we've got Zach Rogers, okay? So now you have to understand, we're actually going to start with Zach. And you'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But Zach is, I, I don't know, a couple of years. How long have you been coming to Lake Sam, Zach? Uh, four years. Okay. So, so you, uh, here's what, you, you, let me just start it off by doing this. Zach, we were at a baseball game this summer, a, a men's event that we went to the baseball game. And you took me aside. And you told me this story about how you felt about tithing before, and then there was a sermon that happened, and so you decided to try God and so on. And, and I, I, well, you'll, you'll hear this in a second. So just go ahead and tell that story, Zach. All right, well, let me start by saying that uh, there was a point in my Christian walk where I, I didn't believe in tithing. And it wasn't that I didn't believe in giving to the church or, you know, uh, giving in general. I just... Um, theological reasons, felt like I couldn't find it in the New Testament. I had a lot of excuses is what it came down to. Um, but let me go back by saying I did believe in giving, and giving could have been 10% or in excess of 10%. The point is I wasn't giving at all. Maybe a little piece here and there, but I, I was not participating in God's economy in that way. And um, there was somewhere along the line, and I was suffering financially. And I was really going through some hard stuff. And somewhere along the line, uh, you have preached a sermon about uh, tithing and giving. And just, you know, I can't even put it all together uh, exactly what the sermon was. But God was real specific on my heart and uh, about doing it. Just, you know, uh, doing it despite the fact that I felt I had all of these uh, you know, real smart theological reasons behind it. And, uh, you know, all along, mind you, and I think it's important to note that I was buried in debt at the time I had uh, broke my ankle skateboarding with my kids. So I had lost my job. Um, I had opened my own company, and so I was just starting out. And I was not in a position to start making commitments to financially give to anybody. But I knew that God was saying, this is something that I'm calling you to do. You need to trust in me. You need to believe in me. And you need to follow through this time. So I started faithfully 
giving to the church, and it was at a 10% rate. Uh, but at first, it was not 10% of the gross. It was 10% of my net income. You know, I was playing games with God a little bit. And, uh, you know, that probably lasted for a few months. And somebody said something smart to me like, well, do you want net profits from God or do you want gross profits from God? <laughs> anyway, I wanted gross profits without all the trimming. Um, you know, so needless to say, uh, you know, this journey has been, for a solid two years now. I don't want to take up a ton of time because I know you probably have questions and answers and stuff like that that you want to go through. But, you know, um, making this commitment, especially to Lake Sam, let, let me tell you that I used to have a big beef about um, just churches asking for money. I pity you, by the way, Pastor, that you're having this sermon because when I was in the congregation and heard these sermons before, Man, it sparked all kinds of stuff, you know, inside me. And this is a tough, 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 you know. Um, anyway, with that said, uh, you know, I'll just I'll leave it alone. And I, I just I, I love for you to poke and prod me. And Zach, <laughs> Zach, I, I just want you. You said that two years ago you started doing this. Before that time, you were in debt. You just started a business and so on. Just tell me what you told me at the game. What has happened in the last two years? Well, let me. So I opened a company uh, in, you know, the end of 2009. Um, 2010 was the first year that I actually started, you know, pursuing business and stuff. And I'm in construction, guys, so you know what our economy is like. It's a, you know, for anybody to open a business uh, in this economy, people would laugh and say, like, you know, especially in construction. And, and there's a lot of people in our congregation who, you know, are, are in, you know, various construction fields. Um, but I believed God. I believed that the scriptures were real clear, that if I was to do this and faithfully commit to it, God says he'll open the floodgates, you know, pour into my storehouse and watch what I do. It's actually the only scripture that I know of that says put God to test in this and actually do what he says to do and watch the blessings come about. So, uh First year in business, uh, you know, I don't know if I should mention numbers specifically, but I did real well. I mean, almost a half a million dollars uh, in one year uh, in sales, and that's not, you know, my own income. But I was faithful in continuing to give 10%, and not just 10%, but above that. I contribute to other things and stuff like that, and that's, you know, a, a different deal. But my prayer was this for 2011, that God would double my business, you know, a law of pretty big stretch that God would actually take take what I did in 2010 and double it and I more than double it. and so this isn't really a testimony about you know uh, putting into that whole you know the whole money preaching stuff with with God this is not about money at all it's about my commitment to participating in my Christianity and being efficient and effective in what God's called me to do. And I, I cheerfully give now. I mean, it, it is great to actually be able to give to the church, especially Lake Sam. I believe in you. I believe in what our body is doing. It makes it effortless to, to give. So. so one of the reasons why I really wanted Zach to Skype in, Zach, before you did this, could you have ever gone to Hawaii on vacation? 
There's no, there's not a chance. And, and the thing that's fascinating is, you know, I'm still prudent with my finances, so it's not like, oh, I'm staying at the Ritz, which I am, but I'm staying at the Ritz. Uh, you know, I use airline points, and I, I yeah. you know, my brother-in-law works for the Ritz, so it's not like I'm yeah. taking what God's blessed me with, and I'm frivolously giving it away. Yeah. But I am blessed enough that I'm able to, you know, to take off. And I don't have my kids, which I love, by the way. Grandma, mom, <laughs> thank you. But my wife and I get to have some alone time and get, you know, get away. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, anyway. Praise God, huh? So, all right. Now, Jeff, we're going to head to you. And, and you know, you, you know what I've asked, so mm-hmm. go ahead and. Well, I, I grew up in a church, a uh, little Pentecostal church, and giving was always taught, tithe, offering, and that. And all through my growing up years, I, I had no problem with that. I, I always had jobs in high school and earned money, and, and I, so giving was, it was never tested. It was easy to do. Then, you know, fast forward a few years, after college, getting married, having kids, and all of a sudden, the finances started getting really full pressure against us, and and I sacrificed the giving. And, and I, I got to tell you, Mona has always been one that's like, you know, what? You, you know, you, you, you don't want to tithe? Or, you know, and, and so she's always had a great heart in that area. I was the one that was, you know, like, hey, God, if you're going to expect me to tithe or give, you better give me a better job because I can't afford to do it at this income. And so we followed that plan all through years and years through the kids growing up and it wasn't until about seven or eight years ago, and our finances just sucked. You know, they just, nothing good about them, and that plan didn't work. Well, we went to a financial council, or financial seminar here at the church. I believe it was at the other, well, maybe in the chapel there. And one of the things that came out of that is that we decided that we were going to get right with God in the area of giving, and we were going to start tithing. So that, we made that commitment. And, you know, it wasn't that it immediately something changed and there was miraculous and we won the lottery. Nothing happened like that. But something had to go or, or something changed. But what we did is we committed to the tithe. And so it changed in our heart. And then I look back now where we were seven or eight years ago and, and where we are now, and I think it is nothing but miraculous on what God has done in our blessing, in our blessing us. And it's not that we tithe to get, but we tithe because we knew that God wanted something that was very important, you know, that was a big thing in my life as far as money. I grew up in a family that was, you know, where money was, you know, more important than most things. And so for me, that was a source of bondage. So by giving, God, you know, really got to my heart. And so the tithe was important. Um, I think of the two models. I think in the world's economy, it's everything is to accumulate. And God says give. So they don't match. And there was one verse I wanted to bring up. It was Mark 12, 44. It talks about the widow where she gave the two coins. And uh, I'll just read it real quick. Uh, Jesus, this is after she gave the two coins and, and next to somebody who was rich. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, had everything, gave everything she had to live on. And those two coins, they say, was you know, worth about a buck fifty today or so. But it, for her, it was sustenance. And so my prayer now is, is you know, fast forward these seven or eight years to, to where we are now. And I think that uh, God didn't condemn the givers, the surplus, the rich people. Um, he just said they're giving out of their surplus. And, and I, so I sit here and I think, if anything could come out of today, I would think, God, 
Now, somebody would give here that, that maybe giving has been tough, and, and you, you think, Amen. I can't give it because I don't have it, and yet God's calling you to give. And so your gift is greater than somebody giving, you know, a thousand, ten thousand times more. It doesn't matter. And that's what my prayer is, that, that my gifts are not substantial in, the, in God's kingdom, but that my gifts may be given out of surplus. They're still in a heart of worship, heart of joy, because I love giving. But that somebody else giving for the first time or giving that God's calling to give, that gift is, in a spiritual sense, is monumental, much bigger. To have Jeff up here talking about this, you have to understand, is a really big deal. And the reason why is because years ago, when Jeff made this turn, he started doing things. He started reaching out and touching people in ways that I would find out. I would only find out about a portion of them. You know how it is, right? If you hear about one thing, it means there's four or five other things that have happened, and you just happen to hear the one thing. But all of a sudden, I started hearing about, over and over, these little stories about Jeff doing things with people. And at that point in time, business was still, you didn't have your business that you have now, and he was still struggling, and all, you know, as far as all appearances went and so on. But all of a sudden, I started seeing all of these people that Jeff started touching. Now, I went to Jeff at one point in time, and I, we started talking about what was going on. And the one thing that he did, and this is, he did this right up until about two months ago. He said, you can't tell anybody. I'm telling you that if you just look around, there are a number of people here. There's a number of things in this room. There's a number of things that the council is aware of. There are so many different places. I literally, it would be, I would know personally of over 50, and it would be well over 100 things that not as a tithe, but as an offering, that Jeff stepped up and did something for. And, and I don't want to steal his best blessing in heaven, but, and he wouldn't let it, and he wouldn't let me talk about it. But as he was leaving and realized that they were actually leaving, he said, you know what? It's really important for me to communicate something to the church. And he started asking me about a forum where he might be able to say, you know, he, didn't, he doesn't want to get any glory, of course. That's not his heart whatsoever. But he just wanted to say, I wanted to communicate to people the blessing that has come in my life. And not just because I gave and got back, but the change that's happened in the whole of my life. And this is not just Jeff. This is Jeff and Mona. This is Jeff and Mona. Guaranteed. Very much so. Absolutely. And I'm sorry, Mona. You should be standing up here. So we're sitting. I should get your chair. In fact, if you want to get a chair, come on up. But, but John, <laughs> you're a little different on... It's, this isn't something you different. came to. Yeah. <laughs> Is it something you came to? Go ahead. Tell us yours. Uh, well, for me, tithing has just always been something that I did, and that's because of my parents. I was just raised in a home where you, you tithed, and that's just what you did, and my parents did it cheerfully and, and openly. And for us as a family, it was just what you did. It was just basic Christianity 101. And so that's what we've always done, and fortunately... Uh, Lori's the same way. We don't. It's never an issue for us. It's just something that happens. And um, for me, it's. I don't think about it as giving to get. I went to Bible college in the South in the 80s. Uh, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. That was sort of the order of the day. <laughs> and I, I have a pretty strong reaction toward this idea that I'm going to give God $100 and I'm going to get 1000 back. I just I hate that. And I've always appreciated that Kurt's sermons about tithing when, 
when he sort of forces himself to do it because he doesn't like doing it. It's not about money. It's about your heart. It's about your priorities, and are you willing to go all the way with God? Um, and I, I fall into that category of I, I can't say that I'm, if you, if you look at my bank account, you'd go, well, you're, you're not very blessed. Um, but I fall in that category of all those other things. And I look back over the last few years since, you know, we, we made a decision a few years ago that's cost us. And I look back over that time, and, and I think, wow, you know, we, the ways that God has taken care of us that don't include money are amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we are in a house that's beautiful, that the mortgage is paid. Um, uh, I, you know, at one point, the doctor told us that we probably wouldn't be able to have kids. Now we can't seem to stop having them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pregnant again. <laughs> so, you know, I, and, and then God kind of reminded me of something he's done over the last eight years or so when I, when I kind of went out and started my own business. Because uh, it happened again on Friday. And I think it, God was sort of reminding me, hey, this is one of the ways I've taken care of you. And that is I, I get to a point where I sort of run out of work and I realize I have nothing lined up. And this has happened countless times in the last eight years where I just go, oh, shoot, I've got nothing to do next week. And then and I'll go, God, I've got nothing to do next week. And then the phone will ring. And this happened, you know, Thursday night. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, all of a sudden, it just kind of hit me because I've been working. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, I've got nothing lined up. What's going to happen? Uh, by 7.30 the next morning, uh, the phone had rung, and I had two huge jobs that need to be done right now. Can you start yesterday? And that's happened so many times in the last eight years. That's just one of the countless ways that God has covered us as he's asked us to walk the walk that we're in. I want to say that I actually stole in my introduction one of John's main points on this point. I asked him to sort of tell me what they were going to say so I could put it together in a good story way. And, and I'm going to read what he actually wrote. He says, we, we all as Christians say that we will follow God 100%, 100%, but what if we're not in for the 10%, we're not really in for the 100%. And that was, that's the line that I stole from him in, the, in my intro. I went, that's a good line. I'm stealing it. So mm -hmm. sorry about that. <laughs> all right. How many people in here, just raise your hands, how many people here have known Zach for the four years that he's been here? Okay? Let's say, how many people have known Zach, he said it's been two years ago now that he started tithing. How many have known him for the last two years? Now, see, see the number of hands up. Now, now look at that. Now, I want to do something. How many, of how many people in here would say that the changes you've seen in Zach are about as large as you've seen in any person in this church? How many people of those people that would say that could say that? I mean, uh, not as many hands went up as I thought. I don't know how well you knew him. But maybe, maybe it's because somebody else changed even more, so I probably phrased the question wrong. But here's my point. Anybody who knew Zach two years ago and knew, knew Zach today, there has been a phenomenal change in your life, Zach. And so I've asked you to just take a minute and talk to us about, you know, so you start trusting God in the one thing, where is it led? Well, I want to piggyback a little bit uh, on God coming through. My, my business is very similar in that 
Uh, I never know what's going to happen in the next two weeks. Right? right now I'm on vacation. I have acquired zero work for when I get back. And it isn't as, you know, as for a lack of trying, it's just that it, it's not coming. However, I have seen God in the last two years. There was a time where I was, you know, I was advertising on the Christian radio. And so, you know, believers would call in because I do windows, doors, and glass. And so they would call in and say, would you come give me, you know, an estimate? Well, this one time, I had not enough money for payroll the next week. I did a, a proposal for this lady, and she paid me 100% in advance, and I told her not to. I said, I don't need your money until I'm completely done with the job. She said, she says, oh, no, no, I, I need to do this. I don't know why, but I need to write you the check for 100%. And that's just, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's just bizarre. Um, so I was able to take that money, obviously pay for her materials and so on and so forth, and then have some money that I needed to take care of other bills and payroll. But God has come through time and time and time again when I just didn't see how it could be possible. You know? Now, Zach, what I'm seeing in your life at this point in time is we're doing these sign-ups that we've been doing. And I'm seeing you signing up for a number of different things and stepping out in a number of different ways. Bring us to the tie-in here. I wanted to make my faith real. Um, one thing I know is that, you know, you watch all of these crime and murder mysteries. How do they, how do they find the people that committed these crimes? They follow the money. <laughs> and... It's just true. You follow the money in a person's life, and it will show you where their true motivations really lie. And I needed to see that in my own heart and in my own life. And I needed to see where I was taking my giving financially and how I was making what my life was about count. And so when I started that process, my, my faith became a lot more alive and real. Uh, I don't know how to completely explain it, but it, it was almost as if I was I was joining into what God's plan already was for me. Yeah. And I still don't completely get that and know what that's all about. But what you're saying, Kurt, is you've seen me sign up. You've seen me actively pursue, uh, you know, what God's got in store for me uh, at Lake Sam and just in general. So I'm actually looking at, you know, everything that's going on in my life, and I'm saying, where can I give more? It isn't really about the money. I mean, the money is just, you know, it's it's not my money in the first place. You know, me giving the money, is, I don't produce, you know, I, my, my best efforts have never produced the good result, but God has always come through. So my my job is to... Uh, is to just put one foot in front of the other and allow God to, to, to take, you know, control. When I was reading this morning, I just, you know, I wanted to be real spiritual and give some great, you know, advice and this and that. But what I was reading this morning is, you know, um, God was talking about, seek ye first, you know, Christ was saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. And that was directly after he was talking about clothing the uh, flowers of the field and the birds of the air, and why are you worrying? You know, do not worry about what you'll eat, where you'll sleep, and, and all of these other things. But it's all about seeking God's God's kingdom, his plan for, you know, our life. And, you know, so what you're seeing in my personal life is 
not only am I giving, uh, you know, to the church finally for the first time in my life, but I'm actually seeing that I'm supposed to be pouring myself into what God's plan is. That's... Yeah. Can we end now? <laughs> There's some other good stories that we're not going to, but amen, huh? That's exactly it. Now, let me tell you something. Zach actually has a Bible background, and, and I've already asked him to start working on a sermon, so he'll be preaching here one of these days, as we've been doing, as we're raising up people to, to preach here and, and so on. And, and uh, you know, I, I just, I think that this is, <laughs> if you want to know how God's kingdom works, look at that man's life, because you, if you've watched it at all, you have seen tremendous transformation and it's not just in one narrow area. It is the whole of his life, his family, his blessings, every part of it. It is extraordinary. I, I'm in love with his mother-in-law, uh, you know, and it's just a really cool thing. Jeff, uh, you know, we've been pulling on the same oars for a lot of years. Uh, I've always known you to be an extraordinarily hard worker, an incredibly faithful man. What would distinguish, in the context of this conversation, what, what you know, I, I want to move from money to life. I want to move to all of these things. And just what has it done for you? What does it mean, you know? The one thing that, back to my childhood, my dad was an entrepreneur. He always had things going, businesses and this and that, and they always failed. And uh, so I, I learned a lot from him, maybe not so much what to do, but what not to do. But I had this business sense in me, and, and I think God has given me, um, regarding work and business, the, the desires of my heart. I love what I do. And God has blessed our businesses, and they go up and down in sales, and they have their tough times and their good times. And, but one thing that I, I think the, the getting a handle on money and changing my perspective, I, f I feel much freer. Um, that I mean, like this health club we started in Wenatchee, I mean, I need to lose weight. So what I do, instead of getting a membership, I build a health club. You know, it, it's just, now I have no excuse. So I, you're gonna, I told Mario the, the other, last time I was at the men's meeting, or we, I meet every other Tuesday with them, that they're going to see a lot less of me in the future. M meaning. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, you know, one thing that's been interesting also is that Mona and I support each other wholeheartedly in giving. It is not my place to tell her what God is speaking to her heart on giving. So there have been times when she's been, you know, very generous and, you know, this and that. And it would be easy for me to say, you know, and, and I probably have. I'm probably guilty in some, sometimes. But my heart is really, you know, when she feels led to give or I feel led to give, that, that the other one supports it. And, and this has been a teamwork. I mean, it... What God has done in our lives has, you know, has just been phenomenal, and, and we, we, so we are stewards of that, and I just feel like there's a liberty there. I, I used the concept earlier, and I, I realize it's an inappropriate thing, but it, it helps us communicate, but I used the, the thing of a gateway drug. Um, you know, I, again, I knew you to be hardworking in a lot of areas and so on. Um, let me say this rightly. I've always, well, I'll be blunt, it seems to me like the joy that you live with over the last few years has exponentially increased. Mm -hmm. Could you just speak to that and, and again, tying it in with this idea of I th I giving think, our lives? I think it's trusting. Where I think I have learned is that when I look at where we are now with our businesses and stuff, I don't feel like I've 
I've done this. I think that God has truly, you know, there is no way that I could have orchestrated the contracts that we've gotten, that the businesses, the way they started. And it is truly God's path. There's no way I could have done it. And, and so I'm a hard worker. I've always been a hard worker. And, and it's always been easy for me to say, if I need more, I'll just go get another job. I mean, there was a time where I had like four jobs. You know, you just, you just keep working until you have enough money. And, and so I lean on my own abilities. And, but now I'm at a point where I really know that God is the, the giver of, of these good things. And so I, I, I think we have been much better at trusting God in, in the whole picture. Now, John, again, uh, during the snow day, John came over and we were just talking about things. And I, I knew there was a third person God wanted for this time. And, and I couldn't figure out why. And I had John Yalkowski in mind. I had some guys I was praying about and everything else. And then John came over and he started talking. And all of a sudden I went, oh, I totally saw that, you know, John's story isn't roses and rose-colored glass. John's story is one where there was, it wasn't that it was easy. It's that it opened up doors and not even necessarily doors that you initially wanted to go through. So would you just speak to that? You know, you know, you wanted to do one thing with your life, and through all this process, God has really been putting you into a very different life, which is now increasingly becoming, you're beginning to see the value and so on. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, when, when Kurt started the sermon series, he asked a question. He says, raise your hand if your life is more interesting now than than you had planned and not a lot of people's hands went up I think just it was more phrased in the way of you know are you where you thought you were going to be but when he asked that question my mind just exploded with with all these different thoughts of what has happened in our life in the last eight years in particular and, of course, he moved on. I, like 10 seconds later, I wanted to raise my hand and wave it around wildly and say, yeah, my life is very interesting. <laughs> and in ways that I could never have imagined. Um, the eight years ago thing was, you know, we came to a crossroads in terms of work where I had to make a decision. And I made a decision that kind of went against sort of the normal logical, good thinking, you come out of college and you progress a certain way. I really just took my resume and everything else and just sort of blew it up. And I, I made a decision to go after God uh, in a big way. And I didn't really even, couldn't even begin to understand what that decision meant for us. Uh, and it actually meant a lot of hard things, a lot of sacrifice in terms of the just everyday life and difficulties and struggles. And that's, I think, just part of the cost. If, if you're going to, boy, I don't know if I say this right, if you're going to grow up as a Christian, if you're going to mature as a Christian, if you want to be part of that 100%, there's going to be a cost. Um, tithing and giving it's not a magic button that just says, well, now everything in your life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's not going to be blessed. It doesn't mean God's not going to take you to interesting places. But it doesn't mean, gee, all of my wants and needs now are taken care of. 
it's just a, it, it, you're opening the door of your heart to say, okay, God, I'll go wherever you'll take me. And God always takes us to very, very interesting places. Um, for me and for Lori, I, you know, she, she wouldn't need to answer this question herself because I, poor thing, has just been drug along behind my mess for <laughs> almost 15 years now. But we're, we're doing some things now that are so rich and fulfilling in trying to connect with other people and um, getting to do things as a pastor, whatever that means. Amen. But I'd have never thought that I could do those things. Um, getting to officiate somebody's wedding. I mean, there's just not much more that could be more satisfying than that. And I, even uh, when Kurt had me do the sermon last June, I was all prepared to hate it. I mean, I was fully prepared to just say, don't ever have me do that again. And I just had this horrible, nagging sensation when I got done of, boy, I really like that. That was <laughs> And that's just God. That's only God could do that. Um, See, John had such a strong business. He was going to do this in business, and then later on in life, he was going to do something in ministry. And then he made that decision. By the way, that decision was to come and work for me. So, sorry, John. Uh, I, I, I frequently told people Kurt has ruined my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the interesting thing about it is, is the stuff that he's getting to do, he had visions of what his life would be so that it could be this. And then all of a sudden he's saying, you know, he's sitting over at my house during the snow day saying, I go and I visit somebody in the hospital. And... That's not something I ever would have thought I would want to do, and I didn't want to do, and it wasn't in me, and that wasn't me. And now God's making it me. I do a wedding. He was talking about that. I do a sermon. I do these things, and God just keeps opening these doors, and it's just incredible. It, you know, do you want to say anything more on that? Or I, the, the one thing I was really wanted to do with John was is God says, count the cost. Know what you're buying. Know what you're going in for. Count the cost. That's what I knew God was bringing to this sermon through John's story. You know, it's not just, look, if what God's trying to do is give you the 10%, it's not so that you can do whatever you want with the other 90%. It's because he's trying to figure out whether or not you're in it all. Really. And it comes right down to it. And he's saying, once you get in, I'll take you places that you didn't even want to go. But when you get there, you're going to look back at what you wanted, and you're going to go, good trade. Uh, we have one, one more section that I want to do. Um, Zach, again, I, I really want to, because I think we've transcended the money part, which was my goal, <laughs> because that's what it is in my heart. What would you say? What would you say to us? How would you encourage us? How would you take us to the next place and just say, you know, how would you say trust God in your own words? Well, you know, Christ said that I didn't come to abolish the law of the prophets, but I came to fulfill them. And what I do is I, I look at how I want to be in my life. And if I can live by the Spirit, you know, not by the, um, you know, the, the 
regulations and they're, and they're written, um, whether that be you know, just what I create by myself in my own head or what I believe God wants. So therefore, there's this drudgery of you know having to uh, you know act or, or think or behave in certain ways. But I live by you know the Spirit, uh, which you know God's already put it in my heart. I, I know the right thing to do. And now it's just a matter of, of acting on what we already know to be the correct thing anyways. And I think that, um, you know, to not try to make it real complicated, just do what you know is right, you know? Put one foot in front of the other. The next indicated step is this, you know? Just do it. Don't make it a Nike commercial, but just do it. It's kind of simple. You know you're called to do it. Just do it. God will provide. He will take care. And your life will change. I mean, for the better, whatever it may be. I mean, whatever the circumstance and whatever goals you have. I mean, we want the goals that God wants for us if we really want to, you know, be in fullness and be happy. So the plan that I have is whatever God's plan is. And the next indicated step is to do what he asked me to do in the first place. So that I can get to the next place. Yeah. There's my words of wisdom. <laughs> Joe, um, the the thing that I think I, I I would say is that I'd echo him. Just do it. Uh, one of the things that Mona and I have been able to do is be a conduit. Um, God has blessed us financially. And we have turned around and, and helped others. And I was really convicted by a verse in Timothy where it said, if you fail to take care of your family, you're worse than unbelievers. And I thought, holy smokes, worse than unbelievers. I mean, first, and not that they're bad, but that they have no hope. And, and to be a Christian and, and read that verse, I thought, there's stuff I need to do to, act that, to live that verse out. And we had all kinds of family that was in dire straits. I mean, sister that was disabled, mother who my dad had died and left, you know, there was no, no money, others, sisters-in-laws, and just whole family members that were desperate for, for care. And through God's blessing, we have bought a house, we've done all kinds of stuff for, for family members, and I can honestly say that, you know, we have lived out that verse to the best of our abilities by being a conduit for God. So what Zach says is just do it. That it is. It, it's just just get in there and you see a need and do it. And and I used to spiritualize it in the sense of thinking, well, God, it's, it's not on my heart to give to this person or something like that. And I and, and then I'm convicted in that way because God has already told us in the Word to, to help those who are less fortunate, to be available to the poor, to help the sick, you know, yeah. and to to reach out in every way we can. So do I need God to tell me, tell me personally at this point? whether a whisper or a, a you know, mighty voice or anything like that. No, because he's, he's told me they're already to do it. So I shouldn't have to have him tell me twice. And so that's where my heart is, is I want to be in a place where at the drop of a hat, if there's a need, and, and you know, that I can be able to give. And, and I think Mona and I really echo that uh, together, is that, that we are not here to accumulate. God has blessed us greatly, but we just want to be able to be used by God. And if he says... Hey, Jeff, I want you to give this dollar to somebody or something, and I haven't been wise with my money or I haven't been in a position to do it, and I, I realize, oh, guess what? I can't do it because I don't have it to give. Then, then I know that maybe I haven't been you know, walking the path that I should walk. So 
you know, like I said, with echoing Zach, you know, you, it just takes a point of, of realizing that, that we are God's, we are stewards of God's money and that he has asked us to give a tithe, he's asked us to give offerings, and, and, but it takes a right heart. You know, it takes giving in worship, it takes giving in joy. One part of the Bible says give hilariously, you know, and so when you give your tithe, maybe laugh a little bit, you know, and just, uh, it's, it's so important that your heart is right. You know, if your heart's not right, I don't think God even wants the gift. So I'd say that's the first step. I agree with that 1,000%, by the way. Uh, you know, I, I really believe. Let me, let me throw out the weirdest challenge you ever heard a pastor ever say. If your heart is wrong about tithing, just stop tithing and be talking to God about it. I just think he's going to bring such a thing into your heart that there'll come a day when you finally just give up trying to do it our own way, trying to do it the way that we think makes sense, trying to do it the way that the world is trying to tell us is the way that it is. The, the stories that you're hearing up here and the reason, we're going to get to you, John, but the reason why I thought that these particular ones were so important was because they speak to the transcendent part of it. it. It was, yes, at some point in time, it was about money. But that was the gateway drug. That was the starting place. And then what happened was just thing after thing after thing, the joy that's in your life, the, the, the incredible transformation that's happening in Zach, the places that God is taking John, the, the ways that God is doing this. I just think God wants to put us on a rocket ship. I think he wants to take us into abounding joy, overflowing rivers of living water. I think that that's what his heart is. And, he, and the, the, the thing that we talk about and we get hung up on, the money and the worldly and all this kind of stuff, I think he's trying to break that bubble. And he's just trying to say, I so want you to just, just get a hold of me. <laughs> you know, I want to set you free from all these bondage, from all these things that have got you laden down and heavy burdened. So I'm loving it. John, what do you want to say? Well, I guess um, I, I think the point, the reason that Kurt has me up here, I'm, I'm the voice saying, you know, if you've, if you've gotten, if you're good with the tithing, if, if you've figured that out, I'm, I'm the guy saying, okay, give the other 90% and, yeah. and not just the money. Like, like these guys, just give your life. But, you know, know that, I know that that can be scary, the thought of that, the thought of surrendering wholeheartedly to a God who can destabilize everything in your life. Um, that was a euphemism, right? <laughs> well, it, it, so I, the point of me being here is I'm the guy that has to say, is that worth it? And I can unequivocally say, yeah, it is. Um, and I really wish Lori could be up here because... You know, she's the one who's really had to pay an even bigger cost because she's had to follow my lead and go with this. And, um, you know, I, I, I want to echo that, that thing that Kurt said that he stole from me, which is, <laughs> you know, we all as Christians want to say, oh, yeah, God, I'll follow you with all my heart. I'll follow you with 100%. And that 10%, that, that really is the easy thing. And if you're not in for that, you're really not in for the rest of it, you know. Um. You know, remind me, we'll have on Mother's Day, I well, I'll pray through it and make sure it's actually God, but we'll have some of the wives come up and talk about this, and we'll continue our dialogue about this at that point in time. 
think that'd be an interesting Mother's Day. I, can I volunteer one? Yes, you volunteer. <laughs> she already, you already volunteered her. <laughs> I had one more thing that, that was on my heart. Uh, as we've gone from the point of tithe through giving through, the last thing I wrote on my page when, when Kurt was asking us to put some thoughts down was that you go from a part where you're giving tithes, you're giving offerings, to where all of a sudden you're the offering. Yeah. That you are the offering. That's it. That is it. So, uh, go back to my... Zach, we love you. Thank you for getting up early and giving us part of your vacation time. Really worth it. Totally. Thank you, Zach. Love you. Give him a big thank you. Okay, love you, Zach. It is very early, you know, for him right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, go back to my slides if you could. Okay. All right. Bounce me down. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. I, I, I really want to say something. When I thought about doing this sermon, I thought I should do it on the first of the month because it makes it really easy for people to catch up, right? The first of the month, it's easier to make a decision when you haven't already spent all the money, right? And, and then I got to thinking about that and I went, no, no, that's why it needs to be at the end of the month. Because this is a month, this is the first month of the year, and you want to start off right, right? Tithe is a first thing, right? First fruits. And so it's the end of the month, and already people have a very good chance because it's just historically true. If you get the financial newsletter that Michael put out, which, by the way, was spectacular, Michael, thank you. You can go to our weekly update. You can get, you know, notes and everything from the council on what's going on. A lot of people are doing a lot of really cool things around here. Stepping up big, Michael, thank you for that. And, and in that, he just talks about, you know, January is traditionally a really tough month, so a lot of pastors will go ahead and do a tithe message in January. Don't forget, you know, remember, da-da-da. Some of it's from end-of-year giving that they don't give in January, but a lot of it's just people broke. You know, and everything else. So here's what we do. We end up starting every year on the wrong foot. We end up spending every year behind the curve. And I thought, you know what? This is perfect. This is going to be a perfect moment for people to have that they can really apply what God says when he says, give and it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Test me in this. It seemed like a really good way to start the year, this whole series of it being all about our life. But this sermon right now, this is a perfect opportunity to get right. And this isn't about the church. And if you think it's about the church, then feel free to withhold. Make it between you and God. Because if it's about you and me or if it's about you and Lake Sam, it's in the wrong place. And it isn't going to produce fruit. Just like these guys said, I am fully convinced a person can give with the wrong heart and it's of no value. It isn't about the money. It isn't about the amount. Jeff's word. It's about your heart. <laughs> it's about, am I in? It's about, do I trust? It's about, test me. He's the one that said it. He's just asking you to trust him. What a better time to start trusting God than the beginning of 2012. Right at the front, let's trust him.